Good afternoon and welcome to this edition of the 21 News Podcast. I'm Managing Editor Justin Mitchell. As coronavirus cases surge in the state and around the country, the debate over if and how kids can safely return to school in the fall intensifies every day. With me to discuss some of the challenges districts are up against is Tracy Hostetler, Superintendent of the Mahoning County Educational Service Center. Tracy, thanks for being with me today. Hi, Justin. Thanks for having me. Oh, always. So, so Tracy, we've seen some districts already start announcing plans for a return to the classroom and many more expected in the coming days. I guess let's start with just what can you tell me about what kind of considerations go into making this work? What are you hearing? What are you guys working on? Well, I think we're, we're and I said the other day, I think with Steve, that we're trying to prepare for everything we have no idea how to prepare for. Um, you know, we are Every superintendent I've talked to, every single one in Mahoning County, and, and we also work with several in Portage and Columbiana County and, and Trumbull County, they're all trying to get their kids back face-to-face. So the good news is, you know, they're, they're working to do that because I think everyone agrees that it's imperative, but also they're looking to really um, make sure that they tailor some options so that parents who are concerned and who would rather not send their kids you know, they have viable options that, that they're um, able to choose from and that will yield a very positive educational experience. So that's what we're working on. How much can you tell me about what some of those options might be? Well, I mean, I think we've all heard that, that you know, there's, there are three options being thrown around um, throughout the entire state. And one is, of course, face-to-face. Another is a blended learning model. And then finally, the last one is a remote uh, option. And, you know, when the Ohio Department of Education put forth their guidelines right before the 4th of July, they really basically said in those guidelines to be prepared for any and all of those. Um, you know, basically that even the best laid plans could turn on a dime if, if the governor or the Department of Health or even our local health department, and sometimes it'll be a superintendent decision whether or not you know, based on the illness level in a school, if it gets to that point, based on that, whether or not they should open or close. Now, the state has started monitoring hotspots by county. Um, Does the planning then include what happens if there's suddenly a surge in the county, like, say, Mahoning County, they're orange right now, they might go yellow tomorrow, but they could go red. And and do are things implemented suddenly at that point? Is there is that the way that would work? Well, that's a great question, and that's exactly one of the questions that we're talking about with the health department. So they've been a huge part of our collaborative process and and trying to discern whether or not it will be a district decision or whether it will be a a county or state decision. So right now, you know, with in in the situation we're in, where you know we're we're you know we're aware that it's out there, but it doesn't seem to have a really strong impact on us, it would be up to the superintendent to determine whether or not the district stays open. But I have to believe, as as we've seen in the past, that we lose that authority if it it ever gets to the point of of grave concern. And I will say this, too. I, I want parents to know, if parents are listening, we've talked to the county health department about the number of school aged children who have contracted or tested positive for COVID since the beginning of this process. And it's right around, if you remove 18-year-olds, because many 18-year-olds are already graduated from high school, we're right around 45 confirmed cases. 
And there are several thousand students in our county. So, you know, it is a very, very small number of students, uh, school-age students who test positive. And according to the county health department, it does coincide very evenly with what we're seeing throughout the nation. So that potentially puts people at a little bit more ease that this is not necessarily, there's not necessarily as much of a concern about the kids spreading it to each other. Um, Now, what about teachers and staff? Are they raising concerns? Well, yeah, I think that that is the concern, right? When the Ohio Department of Education, like I said, I referenced their uh, guidelines earlier, you know, this really is about ensuring that we protect our, our teachers and our staff because it will be very, very difficult if teachers get sick to fill those positions with substitutes. There aren't, you know, a tremendous amount of, of substitutes that we have, you know, to, to spread throughout the county. Um, we have hundreds of teachers, maybe even thousands. I, I actually haven't done that research on how many there are. Um, but I can assure you that we we really do, um, you know, we hope that parents partner with us on this because even though kids typically don't get it, we do have staff that, that we need to protect as well. Sure. Now, what about resources for all of these contingencies? Everything from, you know, you see plexiglass dividers, you see PPE, sanitizer, all the way up to making sure that there's full Internet access in the event that buildings do close again. Are, are they there? Right. Is the state providing well, them, the feds? Well, it's well. We did get some CARES Act money, which is some federal money, which is good. That's helping us. Um, you know, and some districts are spending out of their general fund. Um, other districts simply, you know, are 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 unable to afford some of that stuff. So, um, you know, the the good news is the health department really suggests layering. So masks as a first layer, shields are another layer. You know, but a simple mask is going to be um, sufficient, at least according to what we're hearing now, is uh, sufficient helping control the spread. Um, but yeah, the resources are—they're so hard to come by. I mean, we've got hand sanitizers, hand sanitizers on order. We have um, Clorox wipes on order, masks on order, and we're seeing people getting them in for sure. Um, you know, but but it has been quite the process. Now another resource that uh, that has been mentioned, but I but I want to touch on, is that if buildings are closed, um, what about feeding kids? We've learned a lot over the years that hunger in this valley is a more persistent problem than people maybe realize, and that that mm-hmm. includes even districts that are not seen as impoverished. So in those cases, uh-huh. school might be the only meal they get sometimes. Um, is there? an effort or do you think there are resources to keep them fed if there is another shutdown? Well, you know, and I, I just, I want to say this because I can't be, can't possibly be more proud of what districts did during the initial shutdown as it pertains to food and and feeding kids. I can't fathom that they would change that. I mean, you know, I always tell people, people, you know, superintendents and, and principals and other people in education, they don't go into it for fame and glory and, and money. They go into it because they genuinely care about children and about communities. So, you know, I, I know that there's been some angst um, amongst some parents who think that their children didn't get a good enough education when we had, you know, 36 hours to prepare to, to fully change, you know, do a 180 degree turn from everything we've ever been taught or done. 
you know, but I'm really proud of what districts did in terms of, of the, the time they had to plan and also in terms of everything with, you know, the breakfasts and the lunches and, and the National Guard coming in and uh, volunteers. I mean, we had volunteers packing lunches and, and in our districts. I, I think it shows exactly such beauty in people when they're, when they're called to a position. So I can't fathom that it would change if, if we were to shut down again. Now, and this is just an idea that popped into my head this morning a little bit, and I don't know if this is possible or if there's any discussions about it, but, you know, you see these uh, these mass testing sites that pop up, places like, you know, the Cavelli Center parking lot or in the parks, uh, you know, things like that. Is there any discussion amongst the schools or the health department to find a way to bring the mass testing model into the schools as a way of trying to stay ahead of any potential outbreaks? You know, I I don't know that answer. That's probably a better question for the health department. But I guess I'm a little um, I'm a little um, unsure about what that would do. So you know, I I could test negative right now and go to the grocery store mm-hmm. and be exposed, and my test would come back negative. And and so I guess I worry a little bit, honestly, on relying on things like that or temperatures. We know that. You know, not everyone who presents with coronavirus has a temperature. And, and again, I'm speculating because this is really a medical right. question. But as, as a superintendent, I guess I don't see uh, the benefits of that. But certainly, you know, the health department would probably have a much more articulate answer than I would. Yeah, I was just curious if that's even a discussion because uh, I thought of it this morning and thought, well, I wonder if anybody's talking about it. We should find out. Well, yeah. <laughs> No, we did have a couple of districts that tested their athletes and, uh, you know, they said it took four or five days to get the tests back and, mm-hmm. and nobody was positive at the time of testing. But I do know that some people are, are talking about that. Some people are doing it and some people, uh, some people really see a value and some people, like I just said, you know, we're just not sure exactly what that tells you. It tells you they're negative at the moment. Right. I would think you know. you'd have to have the capacity to do it on a rolling basis where you could do it with some regularity. And I don't even know if that's oh. something that's feasible. Yeah, I don't know the answer to that. I, I really don't. But that's if, if you could do it like you said, I think that would be really beneficial. I'm just not <laughs> sure how, how that would work. So Now, you mentioned, and I want to get back to something you mentioned earlier about, about teachers and the potential of shortages. Now, you mentioned if they get sick, but is there also, the, the Ohio Federation of Teachers president was on the Today Show last week raising the concern that there's also many that may not come back, whether it be because of underlying health conditions or uh, because of their age or any other concerns. What are we seeing locally right now? Are we still right now looking like the teaching staff is in place to come back and it's a question of if anybody got sick? Well, yeah, I mean, I, you know, just through conversation with district superintendents, I mean, there are 20 districts in, in Mahoning County, 20 or so districts and, and everybody's different. And, and certainly I'm not getting information from every, right. you know, this kind of information from every superintendent, but for the most part, you know, I think that the teachers really believe that we are, are being very diligent about providing a safe environment for them. Um, superintendents have been communicating with their staff and, and um, you know, but we do have some people with underlying health conditions and, and I know that they are working collaboratively with those teachers unions to come up with the, 
solution that will work for their district. And now, um, I guess one more is families that are back to work. Um, I, I think Justin Jennings in Youngstown said something yesterday that had me wondering um, about if there are parents who are back to work and the schools are all online, what are they supposed to do? And he made some reference in a meeting to teachers being sort of, I forget the exact terminology used. It was something like held in reserve for that. I'm not sure exactly what he meant, but I'm wondering if one of the contingencies is what to do so those kids don't somehow fall through the cracks because there's no one to take them through online learning. Yeah, and I, I don't know. I don't. I don't know what Justin was referring to either. I'd be happy to to try to find that out for you. But um, you know, at this point, I I know that the superintendents that I'm talking to are really thinking that we're going to be face to face. Um, and and you know, we're we're planning for other scenarios. But it sounds to me like those other scenarios would probably place parents at home with the children. So. You know, we um, we certainly never shut down because we wanted to. We were told to, um, you know, and I, I think that that's probably what would have to happen again uh, for us to shut down. It would have to be pretty bad. Like a like and another stay at home order, you're saying? Right. Absolutely. And, and I, that's early. And like I said, you know, preface this conversation with each district is going to have their own uh, plans. They're going to be working through their own boards of education. But everybody I talk to is pushing very hard to make sure that that things are in place to, um, you know, to save the spread of the virus and to to provide a healthy, safe atmosphere for the kids. I want to and correct something I said real quick there. I said it was the Ohio Federation of Teachers president on the Today Show. It was the American Federation of Teachers president that made the comment about teacher shortages. Gotcha. I don't want to mislead okay. that that was a specifically Ohio <laughs> concern. Right. Um, I double-checked myself. You know, nationally, I think everybody's feeling feeling the same thing. But, we again, we need to remind our teachers that, um, you know, very few school-age children can track the virus. Very few. Um, so if we're wearing masks as we're mandated to and we're doing our due diligence and, and we're staying six feet apart, um, we're washing, we're sanitizing, you know, I think we have a very, very – good chance of getting kids back and everybody staying healthy. So is it is it fair to say then that while every district is going to have their own plan and they may be subtly different, that they are all looking at sort of three different contingencies with the worst case scenario being not in the classroom and that being the least likely and then working through the details and the, the pitfalls of uh, whether it's a hybrid or an all-in-class but everyone's going to basically have three contingencies that they're working through. I think that we, you might see two contingencies, but at most we've discussed three. Um, but, yeah, I think you're absolutely spot on that, that superintendents are calling it a worst-case scenario if we can't get kids back to the classroom. And we are at present not planning. I mean, we are planning for a worst-case scenario. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> right. But we are not planning for the most part, we're not planning to start that way. We really, really believe, I mean, for the whole child, for the mental health, for the educational components, for the socialization, we really believe that kids have to be back. Will it look different? Sure. I mean, we might have shortened days. Um, a hybrid model would mean, you know, some, some days they're in school, some days they're not. And by the way, 
our superintendents know that, that that's a problem for parents at work. I mean, if, if, if parents hear anything from me right now, I want them to know I'm working with a group of men and women who are taking very seriously their concerns about getting back to work and getting their kids back to school. And they're also taking very seriously those parents who may have someone at home that, and they don't want their kids to go back to school. So we're really planning, um, we're, we're really planning so many different things so that, so that parents are happy and that parents feel, feel good about sending their kids, whether it's remote or not. Do you hear from parents a lot? I know there are surveys that have gone out, but I'm talking more just like calls to the office. They've got this concern. They've got that concern. I mean, is it your sense that most parents are more comfortable going back or that they're really, really apprehensive? It's funny. I, most superintendents I talk to, and again, this is not all superintendents. I've not done a survey, right. but I've talked to four or five different superintendents that say, I have about 20% of my parents who want to educate their kids at home. And it's mostly now the, you know, elementary kids where they have a young family and there's already someone at home. Um, you know, but for the most part, I mean, we've got 75 to 80% of the, of the, uh, superintendents that I talked to said 75 to 80% of the kids um, or parents really want the kids to come back. So uh, Now, now what would happen if, I, I'm just thinking in terms of when, if they come back and someone gets sick, does everyone have to isolate? Does that shut down a school or how does that work? Right now we yeah, keep hearing that everybody who's been in contact, you know, they got to go away for 14 days. <laughs> Well, so we've been talking with the health department about that, too. And the Ohio Department of Education released in their guidelines, they said 14 days, you know, that you have to quarantine if you're exposed, directly exposed. But the health department defines exposure as um, six feet or more, I'm sorry, six feet or less apart and for a period of 15 or more minutes. So exposure to someone walking down the hallway, you know, someone who coughs it out coronavirus walking down the hallway, we wouldn't call that, the health department wouldn't call that exposure. But me teaching in a classroom for 45 minutes and my students, you know, three feet from me as, as I'm talking, you know, mm -hmm. for more than 15 minutes, that's exposure. So, you know, we're just going to work with the health department. I mean, we're, we're looking at contact tracing. Um, and then we're also working with the health department on how do we notify, who do we notify? And first, first of all, how do we find out? Yeah. You know, I don't know. I don't know if Justin has coronavirus or if he's just home for a week because, you know, he's, he's got strep throat. I mean, mm -hmm. we, we have to remember that kids are, are germy social little kids and, you know, they, it, things spread, but again, typically they're not the health department isn't seeing the numbers of, of coronavirus and young ones. So um, we're going to have to do it all through contact tracing and through the, through the collaboration with the health department. No, that's, that's really good information though. I mean, I, I think everybody's sort of thinking, well, if there's one case, you're going to see massive shutdowns. And so that definition of what counts as exposure in the eyes of the health department is important. I don't know that everybody really understands that. So that, that was very useful. Oh, good. Um, all right. Well, I mean, Tracy, is there any other, I know you've had several sort of messages that if it's the one thing you want uh, parents to take away, is there anything else you want to add to anybody with any concerns? No, I mean, just, 
please be patient with us. You know, make sure that you, um, most of us are going back in Mahoning County anyway, most of us are going back after Labor Day. We still have several weeks. Um, we are eyes wide open on uh, toward districts that go back earlier. In fact, my daughter teaches in Florida. Um, her students come back August 10th. So we will be watching um, from Ohio all the schools that go back earlier, and and we'll be making uh, note on lessons learned and, and trying to thwart any problems for our families. But we do hear you. We, we understand you want answers. The reason it's taking so long is because we're being very thorough. I appreciate your time very much. Thank you as always. My pleasure.